Welcome to SimonCast, the official podcast of the Paul Simon Public Policy Institute at Southern Illinois University in Carbondale. I'm John Shaw, the director of the Institute. In SimonCast, we aim to keep the legacy of Paul Simon alive and well through wide-ranging civil conversations. And today we're delighted to be joined by our state senator from down here, Senator Dale Fowler. Senator Fowler represents the 59th Senate District, uh, which comprises much of Southern Illinois. He has deep roots in the region, grew up in El Dorado, Illinois. We'll talk about that. Um, was a um, uh, lots of capacities working for the state government, Secretary of State, other offices. We'll talk about that. He's been a city commissioner, been a mayor of Harrisburg, has been on the county board of Saline County. Um, and has been very active in civic affairs, was pres president of the United Way of Southern Illinois, helped create a foundation which, pro which provides clothing and shoes to low-income uh, low children, um, elected to the state senate in 2016, uh, is a senior Republican on the Education Committee, Higher Education Committee, is doing some really important work there, and has really developed, I think, an important reputation as someone who uh, has a political perspective but is willing to work with people from across the aisle to solve problems. Very well-respected Senator. So, Senator Fowler, great to see you again. Oh, good to be with you, John. Thank you so much. I really appreciate all the work that the Paul Simon Public Policy Institute does. Thank you so much. Great. Well, tell us about growing up in El Dorado. I've, I've read about your town. It's about 4,000. Tell us a little bit about uh, what it was like to grow up there. Uh, actually, well, I guess when I was growing up there, it was about, I think it was a little over 5,200 people, you know. So like a lot of uh, small towns in Southern Illinois, the population's declined a little bit. But yeah, I was uh, born and raised on a farm in El Dorado, uh, about an 800-acre grain farm. And uh, in the, in the mid-70s, my father also purchased a meatpacking company in El Dorado, and I uh, learned to drive a tractor when I was about 13 years old. We did custom hay baling. I, I learned to work hard. I worked all summer long. And uh, then I uh, had an opportunity to also go to work in the meatpacking plant uh, as well, you know, in the, especially in the wintertime, before school, after school, played sports. Uh, actually had an opportunity to take that company over when I was fairly young and ended up selling the company, actually. And that's when I got to work in, in, in state government. Well, Senator, I was reading a little bit about the town, and I mean, just a couple kind of fun facts. Apparently, George Harrison, the Beatle, uh, was in town, I think it was 1963, and like one of his first performances in the United States was, uh, was in your community. Was that part of the, uh, the legend of your, your town? Yes, absolutely. In fact, the stage, they still have the stage at the American Legion building upstairs in the stage. They still have the stage that he performed on his very first performance in the United States. So there was a, a, a ceremony actually last summer in his honor that they put a big plaque downtown El Dorado. So, yeah, it's uh, our claim to fame for sure. And then there was also a novel written based, I think, in your town called Murder, um, uh, Murder in Little Egypt. I haven't yet read it. I'd like to. Are you, is it something that people refer to occasionally? Or a absolutely. That uh, you know, it's about Dr. John Cavness, and uh, he was actually my doctor uh, when I when I was when I was very young. And I've read the book, and I've actually read it read it over again just not too long ago, and. It's really interesting read, uh, especially when you're reading a, a, a book that, you know, I, I know the people in, within the book and can relate to what that whole that whole story. And uh, uh, that was just devastating to our community. But, yes, uh, I, it's a it's a very good read. I encourage anyone to read Murder in the Legion. It's a great book. 
Great. Well, you, we were talking offline that you had mentioned, uh, you know, you, you were uh, a member of the Governor Edgar Fellows program. Uh, our, our guest last week, Senator Barrickman, also was. I know it's a really important program in the state of Illinois. Tell us about your experience as an Edgar Fellow. And then also, if you could connect that to your first you know, job, you know, after that, which was working for uh, sec then Secretary of State Edgar in his office. Absolutely. I was selected by, you know, the, uh, uh, Jim Edgar and his committee to become a member of the Edgar Fellows. And I've been involved in a lot of leadership uh, programs and, and associations and, uh, you know, that that exist throughout the, throughout the region and state, quite honestly. And to have an opportunity to network with other leaders uh, within the Edgar Fellows organization and to be able to keep in close ties with, with Jim Edgar, who, as you mentioned, John, I actually was my very first state job. In March of 1990, I went to work for Jim Edgar when he was Secretary of State as an office operations supervisor in Springfield for him. So, you know, we had a lot, we have a lot of good memories that we share uh, a couple times a year when we get together. And fortunately, I get to see him in Springfield periodically, especially when we're in session and he's kind of uh, mingling around and so to speak, you know, restaurants and stuff. So we developed a great relationship throughout the years, but have that opportunity to be an Edgar Fellow and to be able to network and get to get to know more people in state government uh, is, has really been an honor for me to be able to be a part of. Well, tell us about working for the Secretary of State. And I guess your initial job was in Springfield and and then ultimately you decided to come home. So talk about about that sort of Springfield experience and then coming home. Yes, when we when we actually sold our meatpacking company, I, you know, I, of course, I was fairly young at the time and I said, OK, now what's what's Dale going to do now? So. I had an opportunity to go to work for Secretary of State Edgar in Springfield. It was a tough decision to make to leave uh, Southern Illinois. Actually, I, I kept my home in Harrisburg. I had moved from Eldorado to Harrisburg in, in the interim of all that. But then I had an opportunity to go to work there. So I actually, being a little bit unsure, I just had an apartment in Springfield and uh, went to work for him. And what an incredible experience that was to work for Secretary of State Jim Edgar. I was an office operations supervisor. So I, had, I, got, I was right into a supervisory position. And, uh, you know, everyone in the Edgar administration said, Dale, this is your land of opportunity in Springfield. Of course, you know, uh, he then became uh, governor of the state of Illinois. And then so then I, I stayed on with uh, Secretary of State George Ryan at the time. Then it's a couple of years after that, I decided I wanted to come back home. So I had an opportunity to go to work for then uh, you know, I went to work for the Department of Corrections to come back home to beautiful southern Illinois. So I always wondered what would have happened if I'd have stayed up there. But you never know. Things worked out pretty good. <laughs> Tell us about your various positions at the Department of Corrections. I know you've you worked at two different facilities at least, and tell us about that experience. Yeah, I actually started uh, at Vianna Correctional Center as a what was called a stationary fireman. I, I uh, we oversaw the uh, the operation, the, the physical plan of the operation uh, at Vianna Correctional Center, and then I had I uh, and I started there in June of, of 1992. I worked there for several years and had an opportunity to promote to a stationary fire or excuse me stationary engineer position at Shawnee Correctional Center and then uh, I worked there a few years and then I had an opportunity to become chief, a chief engineer with the Illinois Department of Juvenile Justice at IYC Harrisburg here at home so uh, just really worked hard and uh, was able to move up the ladder uh, with with these promotions and then 
a knock on my door to uh, want to know if I'd be a, a become interested in a, a banking position in business development. Business development had always been a, a passion of mine, especially growing up in business and with a meatpacking company and trying to market the company and network the company and try to grow the company. I really became engaged and, and enthusiastic about marketing. And I'd always, I'd always, uh, it was always kind of strange as a kid. I always had a desire to, for some reason, a desire to be a banker. Uh, so it's when I had that knock on the door to, if I'd be interested in becoming a business development banker for a People's National Bank, and I actually had, had re, uh, first qualified to retire from the state, I wasn't planning on doing so because I really needed to work a few more years because our daughter was just starting college, our son was in, uh, in, in high school, uh, but this opportunity became uh, available for me, so I took advantage of, of it, and it was it was a great uh, a great position to be in because I love business development. Well, talk, let's talk about jumping into politics. You uh, were, I think, city commissioner first, and then mayor of Harrisburg. Tell us a little bit about your your decision to enter uh, public service. Well, my first elected position was actually a, a four year member of the Sling County Board. I was elected okay. in year, I was elected in year two thousand to four year term. And uh, served that it was a great, great experience. And then I just became more involved in life and and and, and family and business and uh, banking and just uh, everything that came along with that. And uh, so I, I served that four-year term. And then I believe it was in uh, the summer of 2013. Uh, I had an opportunity to become a commissioner for the city of Harrisburg when then the then mayor Eric Gregg had to resign due to a conflict of interest interest in a, in a state job that he had had taken. They uh, asked former commissioner Ron Crank if he would be, fulfill his term as mayor of Harrisburg. Then Mayor Crank, Crank asked me if I would fulfill his term as a Harrisburg uh, city council member. So I graciously did a great experience. And then and unfortunately, uh, Mayor Crank passed, passed away with brain cancer. So that the council asked me to fulfill his term as mayor of Harrisburg. And then I was elected in April of 2015 to a four-year term as mayor of Harrisburg. So I, I was kind of part of the rebuilding process after the Leap Day tornado that uh, then uh, Mary Gregg was the mayor during that tornado uh, a catastrophe that we had, but I was kind of uh, had, had an opportunity to take a lead to bring new businesses in Harrisburg and such and recruit uh, new businesses and such. So uh, incredible experience. And then a knock on my door uh, as well. I uh, want to know if I would consider a state run for the Illinois State Senate. Well, let's talk about being mayor because we we have a series called Meet the Mayor in which we have conversation with mayors. And, you know, it's it's a really interesting job. I mean, one of the kind of funny things that mayors tell that, first of all, almost everyone says it's a part time job, but it's not a part time job. You're working really, really hard. Second, they kind of joke whenever I go out to the grocery store at night to get a, you know, a gallon of milk. I come back two hours later after people have been bending you know, my ear about various things. Tell us about, you know, just life as mayor of Harrisburg and also what what were you working on? What was what, what were the issues that you were trying to, to deal with? Well, it was an incredible experience. Uh, there's no question it helped me catapult my you know, endeavors to become an Illinois State Senator. But, uh, you know, again, you know, we, we had just gone through the uh, Leap Day tornado. So we were in the rebuilding process in Harrisburg and just had a lot of opportunity. I saw a lot of opportunity in, in Harrisburg. And, you know, I know one of the things that uh, I, I like to put my hat on just a little bit, you know, several years ago, uh, before I became mayor, the uh, the cinema in Harrisburg, we had a four uh, four room cinema in Harrisburg and it actually closed down. So people were always saying, uh, Mayor, can you get it? Can you get us a theater back? Can you get us a theater back? Can you get us a theater back? So I actually developed a relationship from the owners of Showplace Cinema out of Indiana. 
And so started kind of bringing them over and seeing a little bit about Harrisburg and introducing them to Harrisburg. And they had never invested in, 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 the, in the state of Illinois ever. And they had, I believe at the time, seven theaters in Missouri, or excuse me, in Indiana and Kentucky. And so I'll, I'll never forget one day uh, we were driving through Harrisburg and and the owner of, of Show Place, he looked at me, he goes, he goes, Mary he says, where are all the, where are all these people coming through? I drove them by McDonald's. I drove them by Kroger. You know, I drove them by Walmart. I said, well, that's exactly what I've been telling you. Harrisburg is really kind of a hub for southeastern Illinois. We bring in thousands upon thousands of people. Well, the next day they called me and says, we're coming to Harrisburg, Mayor. So, you know, it's they're still they're doing a great job today. In fact, it's, it was one of their number one producing theaters at the time that they had. So, you know, just things like that, just really promoting the city uh, and, and cre- helping create opportunity and jobs. And that's what I've tried to do as, as a state senator as well. Well, Senator, as I think of your background, I mean, I'm thinking about just kind of the unique training experience you've had. I mean, we've talked about we've talked about it all, but, you know, city commissioner, mayor, um, city or county board member um, working in state government at the ground level to see how things actually work. I mean, it seems like if I were looking for a kind of a a training, uh, ideal training course for a state senator, this your experience might might be a pretty good way to start. I mean, let's we're going to talk about your your Senate work in a second, but tell us about how all these experiences have have kind of shaped your your approach to being a state senator. Well, my platform. Actually, if I could just tell you some a little fun fact here, John. Actually, when I I when I graduated high school at El Dorado, of course, and I played football there. And after I graduated high school, my the assistant football coach at the time, he and I, his name was Alway. Uh, he and I uh, really stayed really good, close friends. Well, in my early 20s, Coach Wade nicknames me in my early 20s. And to this day, all these years later, he still acknowledges me by this nickname that he gave me about oh, probably close to 40 years ago, actually now. And that nickname is Senator Fowler. So <laughs> it's a little fun fact that we had. But uh, my platform, John, has always been, uh, you know, I grew up uh, in community service, my my parents were both philanthropic. That's one reason why I had the initiative to create my own 501c3 not-for-profit 20 years ago. Uh, as you mentioned uh, in the intro, I was also um, uh, uh, actually president of the United Way of Southern Illinois and, and president of the United Way of Saline County. But my platform has always been to do everything I can to work with everyone, especially across the aisle, which is what I do try to do in the Illinois State Senate. You know, I'm one of those guys that's always, you know, I think that, you know, um, I, I just appreciate everybody's service. I, I never go negative on anything. All I try to do is talk about how fortunate we are to live here in beautiful Southern Illinois, what we have to offer. I actually left twice. I left to go to Springfield. And actually, in my early 20s, I actually spent two years in Southern California in the solar industry, solar energy industry. Uh, so uh, that's something that... Uh, uh, was kind of unique, and I, I had an opportunity to stay there, but I wanted to come back to beautiful Southern Illinois because we have so much to offer. That's really what I tried to do uh, is develop relationships uh, with the entire General Assembly on both sides of the aisle, and I think we're seeing it work. I think that's one reason why we're, we've uh, had a lot of capital projects coming into Southern Illinois and more coming because I, I'm just one of those. I appreciate everyone's service. Uh, I know I know what the lead, who the leadership is, and I know to get things done for Southern Illinois, I have to have those relationships and positive relationships to do so. Well, tell us about your district. It is very, very big, uh, encompasses a pretty nice slice of Southern Illinois. Give us a little uh, little road trip of the 59th district. 
Well, the 59th is one of the largest uh, districts, uh, geographic districts in the entire state of Illinois. Under the current map that I'm under right now is 13, all the parcels of 13 counties. But now under the new map that goes into effect in January, it's all a process of 14 counties. So I've actually picked up one additional county, which is the eastern part of White County. So uh, it's over 4,800 square miles, I believe it is now or will be. And uh, it's, uh, you know, you can be three you can be three places every night, six nights a week if you want to be. And I, I really work hard to get around and meet, meet everyone, our mayors, uh, county commissioners. I go into the schools. You know, I have advisory councils. I have a student advisory council that, that uh, I, I meet with students from all over the district twice a year. We actually just had one last week in, in, at SIU where we had over 50 students from within the district that are chosen from their schools to uh, be part of the student advisory council. We do mock legislation and really give them an inside perspective of what being a legislator is kind of like. And, you know, it's a uh, but it's such an honor to be able to. And I have, you know, uh, tourism is growing in southern Illinois. And under the new map, uh, I have 20 uh, Illinois Department of Natural Resource State Parks, obviously far more than any other district in the entire state of Illinois. Obviously, and, and on top of that, the beautiful Shawnee National Forest, which is in my district. So we're just so uh, we have so many treasures here. And I've also created an initiative called Southern Illinois Treasures that you can actually go on my website, SenatorFowler.com and click on Southern Illinois Treasures. And we have video footage, uh, voiceovers, drone footage of all the, the, you know, the historical sites and, and state parks and national park that we have here in Southern Illinois. So it's fun to promote the, all the beauty that we have. Great. Well, let's talk about some of the issues that you're working on. One that has gotten a lot of attention and, and is, is the Cairo uh, Riverport project. Um, uh, a, a big, nice infusion of cash from the Rebuild Illinois program, I think about $40 million a year or two ago. What, how is that unfolding? And maybe more broadly, how did you get interested and what do you think it can accomplish? Well, when I first became a member, and as you mentioned, I, uh, I was elected 2016, sworn in in January of 2017. And as I started really traveling around the, the 59th district uh, in all the counties, and I had spent a little bit of time in Cairo um, years ago, but not, not a lot. Uh, but when I, when, I, when I started going there and uh, I was introduced to this project that had, was actually created even before I came on board as a state senator. It was in the discussion stage, and there'd been a little bit of concept design work done, but they just the, the port district just didn't have any money to to take it to the to the level that it needed to go. And then I just started doing some research on how Riverport transportation opportunities were growing uh, in the entire nation. That we have the you know the two mighty rivers, the Mississippi and Ohio, and how container transportation was growing and how we can go straight to the Gulf of Mexico from the Mississippi River completely lock free and these new vessels, container vessels that were being uh, uh, manufactured and really how the industry was 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 growing. So I uh, just kind of took a real interest in that and started spending a lot of time there and doing a lot of research and talking with the consultants, the environmentalists, the, the designers, the engineers. And so uh, when there was $150 million actually allocated in the uh, Illinois Rebuild uh, Capital Bill, John, there was $150 million for ports within the entire state of Illinois. There's currently 19 ports within the state of Illinois with a $150 million line on them for improvements or new construction of ports. So I, actually, I went to work uh, to try to get some of those funds. And uh, I sit down with the governor, Governor Pritzker, on numerous occasions and uh, convinced him that this is a, a viable uh, project that uh, you know we can we can you know actually turn in this this uh, this 
Riverport, turn it into the nation's hub for Riverport transportation. And that doesn't come from me, John. That comes from the, the leaders in the uh, maritime uh, barge traffic against, uh, uh, business. Uh, that's coming straight from them. And so he uh, he uh, designated uh, $40 million uh, to that out of that $150 million to go to Cairo for the construction. So the concept design is completed. Uh, now uh, it's kind of in the hands of the Army Corps of Engineers for the permitting process, which is very uh, time consuming. Uh, the project continues to move forward. I believe there's like 28 uh, permits for the Army Corps of Engineers. They're trying to work through those now. So. Uh, it's been a, it's been a, one of my top uh, economic development projects, and then on top of that, it also uh, instilled us an opportunity to build another port in actually Old Shawneetown, Illinois, that's going to offload uh, fertilize, which will be in construction sooner than the Carroll Port because it's an old coal loading dock that has already been permitted. So therefore, construction can start real soon, and that's another 240 plus jobs. The Carroll project's about 206, or excuse me, about 600 construction jobs. And then you have other other projects on top of that. And then, if I may add, under this uh, the, this new budget, there's also uh, 1.5 million dollars that's been dedicated to do a feasibility study for an additional port that that exists in Metropolis, a dock that exists in, in Metropolis. So all we're trying to do is take advantage of the resources we have to offer here in beautiful Southern Illinois. And two of those resources are the the, the, the Mississippi and Ohio River. Well, in fact, the governor was on campus last August for an event before the DeCoin Fair, and uh, he was speaking to a group, and he gave you a shout out as for your work on this project, just saying that this was sort of what Illinois needs, you know, constructive work across party lines, solving problems that, that actually can improve people's lives. Yeah, you know, and the governor, I so appreciate his support because he actually, in last year's State of the State, it was Zoom, of course, because of the pandemic. He actually talked about uh, this port, about how this could be one of the biggest economic development projects Southern Illinois has seen in over a century. And that's what the professionals from Louisiana, Florida, all over the country are saying. Uh, in fact, just in container transportation opportunities alone, it's projected to triple by the year of 2030. So you're seeing, you know, because uh, barge, barge uh, transportation is the most economical form of transportation that there is for goods and products. And to be able to go straight to the Gulf of Mexico, lock free uh, from the Mississippi is, is, going to be, is going to be huge. There's actually more, more traffic that goes through, that, that floats by, more barges floats by the city of Cairo than goes through the Panama Canal. I've done a lot of research and I've heard, I've heard a lot of data about this project, John. So fingers crossed, there's still a lot of work to do, but one day uh, I, can't, I can't wait to see, uh, see it come to fruition. Great. Well, another program that you're interested in, Center, is called the Young Entrepreneurs, and it's I guess it's using a Department of Commerce uh, program, but expanding it so it, it can it can be used for for young people from the ages of 16 to 29. Tell a little bit about how you got interested in young entrepreneurs. I mean, obviously, as, as you tell your story about being involved in business and you know, kind of working from the day you were a small boy. But why, why, why kind of structure this program so it's uh, it applies to young people? Exactly. I, yes, I was one of those young entrepreneurs and uh, just learned uh, learned how to work hard and and really you know try to grow your company and that's what it takes. And working with my student advisory council and just being involved with youth as I am. Uh, and, and then, you know, with my foundation and we really want to create opportunity for our youth 
youth. We want them to know that they can stay right here in beautiful Southern Illinois and, and raise the family and have a great career uh, right here. Sometimes you need to get out a little bit to see see the world, of course, such as what I did on two different occasions. But I kept, I kept it's like Southern Illinois was a magnet to me. This is where I needed to be. This was my calling uh, to, to be able to serve, serve the people. But there's actually, uh, yes, the uh, uh, a couple of years ago, the uh, Entrepreneurship Assistance Center legislation was passed, where there's going to be entrepreneur assistance centers throughout the state of Illinois. And those are yet, those are still in, in, the, uh, in the talking stage, but it is legislation that's going to come to fruition to be able to give uh, entrepreneurs that's the only opportunity for educational training and workforce development stuff. One thing, and things. One thing that we noticed in this legislation that it did not, it did not include youth entrepreneurs. So we did, a, I went in and, and filed legislation. It was Senate Bill 2984 that adds youth entrepreneurship to this legislation. So our youth, our youth can be involved in these uh, entrepreneurship assistance centers and to be able to be educated. And one thing that we're really doing, working with uh, SIU, our community colleges, our trade unions, uh, you know, with workforce development, job, job training, is we want these young people to know not just that we need them as a truck driver or an electrician or a welder, whatever it may be. We want them to know what, what their, their package could look like what their salary range could be, what their benefits could be, what their insurance could be, what their cost of living could be here in Southern Illinois. Uh, and that's the, really the thing that we want to convey to them. And because we know, you know, job training and, and workforce development uh, is, is critical to Southern Illinois with all the projects we have going on, the ports, Walker's Bluff. Uh, we're getting really close to a, a possible takeover of the former uh, Galconda Job Corps for workforce development. We've been working on that for a year and a half. We hope to be unveiling that really soon. So a lot of great opportunities. We need people trained because we're going to have a, we do have a lot of jobs in Southern Illinois and we're going to have a lot more really good paying jobs. And we want these young people to know that, that they can stay right here, attend our, attend our university, attend our community colleges and have a great, great career right here in beautiful Southern Illinois. Well, Seth, Seth another uh, another uh, regional quest that you're involved in is the DeCoin State Fair. I know you believe that uh, that it, it should be considered on par with the Illinois State Fair in Springfield, and you've introduced legislation to to make sure there's a little bit more stable and and uh, generous funding. Talk about the DeCoin State Fair. It's important to the region, and what you're hoping to do uh, to strengthen it. Right. It's an absolute uh, economic driver to Southern Illinois. That do so many people, uh, especially my colleagues from Chicago that have been down here and they hadn't been down here in a few years, of course, but uh, they're, they're excited to come back down here. They see the enthusiasm of the Ducoin State Fair. Uh, they're seeing it revitalized. Uh, couldn't be more excited for the Ducoin State Fair. But one thing, and it's also the Illinois State Fair as well, but one thing that uh, we noticed that the funds that were being generated, the revenues from the Ducoin State Fair, was going into you know the county fair uh, uh, portal, so to speak. So we wanted to make sure that those funds, all the funds that were that were revenues generated from the Ducoin State Fair, stayed solely to the Ducoin State Fair and spent solely on the Ducoin State Fair for for new construction for improvements. So we was able to pass that uh, legislation, uh, pass the both chambers unanimously. So really, really excited about that to be able to those funds can be restricted now. And not only the Ducoin State Fair, but the Illinois State Fair as well to make sure that they're spent right here in Southern Illinois. They're generated here and we want to, we want those funds to stay here. 
Senator, you're the top Republican on the Higher Education Committee. What are some of the things you want to do from that platform? And, and maybe if you could talk more broadly about SIU and not only its importance to the region economically, but just, you know, its importance to, to, to this whole area. Oh, absolutely. I, I couldn't be more. I know, um, you know, SIU, even our community colleges, they've had they've had their challenges, but I'm so excited about SIU. In fact, under the under the current map I'm in today, I do not I do not have I just have a little small uh, portion of southeastern uh, Jackson County, which did not include the campus of SIU. But under the new map, I, I now have all all the campus. In fact, all all of, all of Carbondale going all the way to Murfreesboro. In fact, a little bit of Southern, Southern Murfreesboro. So I will be representing uh, the campus solely as a state senator. But obviously, uh, all these years I've been extremely involved in SIU. I felt like I've been representing it as well, along with uh, Senator Bryant. But, uh, but you know, the opportunities we have there, you know, the, to, to build a new communication uh, building, uh, to see the advancements in, at SIU, and to be able to really promote SIU. And, you know, talking, really encouraging to me, and I'm going to go back to my student advisory council again real quickly. But, you know, three, three years ago, four years ago, my initial student advisory council, I would ask the students, OK, who, raise your hand if you're going to college, because I was talking with juniors and seniors. They, they're the ones that qualified to be part of my, my council uh, selected by the schools. And, uh, you know, you get a large number of hands that would raise. And I would ask how many are going to SIU and uh, at the time, very few were raising their hand. Now it's different. It's like half of my council now is going to SIU. So you're really seeing uh, SIU really growing. Uh, I'm glad to see that this administration is doing, doing a great job. I meet with them all the time where we talk and, and, and sit down. And uh, so I, I'm excited. And I, as you mentioned, I'm the minority spokesperson for higher education. So I've been extremely involved in, in, in that and will continue to do so. Well, Senator, we've just finished the spring legislative session, and I wonder if you could kind of give us a big picture sense of, of what you think was accomplished. I mean, there was work on, I know, crime legislation, a lot of talk about inflation, passed a budget that, uh, you know, generated some controversy, although I see where Moody's has just recently, uh, just in the last day or two, uh, you know, boosted Illinois' credit. So talk both uh, specifically about the budget, but then more broadly about the spring legislative session in Springfield. Well, uh, as you know, it was a very condensed session. Uh, as a rule, your, the legislative session wouldn't, wouldn't end until till May 31st with, with a budget, uh, voting on, supposed to vote on a budget by May 31st. But due to the, you know, the primary being pushed to uh, June 28th, the session uh, was scheduled to conclude April, April the 9th. Uh, and it did. It was about it was about 3.30 in the morning when I walked out of the state capitol uh, on, on April the 9th. And that was with a uh, we voted on, a, I think it was a 3,400 page budget uh, that kind of, the, you know, that kind of uh, was uh, was sit, sit on our desk uh, kind of at the last minute. We did know a little bit about what was going to be in the budget. There were some amendments. Uh, there was the House version and then the Senate version. Uh, there was some good things in the budget for law enforcement, as an example, for education, for higher ed, for, for uh, K through 12, uh, good things in the budget. There were some things in the budget that were quite controversial uh, as well. And so uh, it was a very it was a very difficult uh, uh, budget. Uh, I am I am encouraged with some of the things that are in the budget for Southern Illinois. And one thing that I did, John, 
as as we led toward the vote of this budget is I really communicated with uh, with my colleague with the governor's office and also with my colleagues on the other side of the aisle uh, uh, about the budget and about trying to get more more for Southern Illinois within the budget. And I think we're we were very we were very successful. And uh, I really appreciate those open lines of communication because again, that's one thing I've really strived from day one uh, when I was sworn in in January of 2017 to have an open line of communication. Uh, you know, if it's uh, if it's something I can't support or if it's something I can't support, but to be able to sit down with administration, no matter who's in charge, and talk this through. I came in under the Rauner administration. Of course, now I'm within the Prisker administration. And I've had the same platform with both administrations to be let them know. I want them to hear from me uh, if there's why I can't can or cannot support a form of legislation that they're advocating for. And I think that's really spoke volumes uh, for me to be able to be able to have those open lines, uh, understandably, and to be able to bring things back to, to Southern Illinois. Well, Senator, where do you think Illinois is right now? I mean, we went through a, a tough period uh, during the rounder years, lots of controversy, lots of two years of stalemate and so forth. Where, where do you think the state is now, and particularly in terms of fiscal policy? Do you think our fiscal situation has been stabilized in kind of a structural way? You know, some argue that we've excuse me, taking, you know, huge advantage of it, this massive infusion of federal funds. And so we're a little bit on a sugar high that it's not really sustainable. What, what is your sense of that? Well, I think, you know, I think we're on a, on a good, uh, we're doing well with our, our, re our revenues are growing. There's no question about that. Our, our revenues are growing. We're seeing, we're, we're seeing that in the budget. Uh, it has been frustrating with some of the new spending uh, that's been uh, initiated in this budget. I feel like we need to curtail some of this new spending uh, on some of these issues that are, are quite controversial on both sides of the aisle. Uh, and obviously I have to be selfish for the 59th district that I represent. You know, as I mentioned earlier, you know, I have 20 and under the new map, I'll have 20 Illinois Department of Natural Resource State Parks and they are, they are understaffed and our state parks are growing. We're making more investments into our state parks. Almost every state park that I've had has had new investment going in because tourism is growing. Uh, but in, in in Southern Illinois, like it's unbelievable how well tourism is doing, and so I'm I'm so proud of that. You know, we have to. I think we have to designate our priorities in our in our in our spending, and I don't think we're doing a very good job of that. We're doing we're do, you know we're doing okay. Our you know our, our backlog of bills. I uh, have a great relationship with Comptroller Comptroller Mendoza. She's doing a phenomenal job. Her and her her staff. We talk on the phone a lot uh, with her person. I do with her personally and as well with her staff. They're doing a great job paying back our backlog of bills, you know, which is saving our taxpayers uh, late fees, interest fees, millions upon millions upon millions of dollars. So I'm very proud of that. But we just really have to, uh, you know, really curtail our, our, our new spending. And we have to be cautious with our new spending moving forward. Well, Senators, you know, this is a political year. There is a, a governor's race that is heating up. Uh, I think there was a big event in Washington, Illinois, last night with five of the six Republican candidates. Tell me your sense of the, the Republican primaries in June. First of all, uh, there's five or six candidates. Have you endorsed anyone? And what is your general sense of, of the race for governor? Yes, there's currently uh, five candidates uh, running for running for a governor on, on a Republican ticket. Uh, I, you know, I've served with two of those in the Illinois Senate, currently served with one of them, served with uh, the other one. Uh, 
uh, for my first my first two years in, in, uh, in, in the Senate. Uh, so I have a, a great relationship with them, know them quite well, great people. And, I, you know, the other the other candidate, the other three candidates, I, I really don't know well. Uh, I've met on just uh, one or two different occasions very briefly. So I don't know them as far as individuals or, you know, what their what their real platform is. You hear what their platform is. But, uh, you know, I, I have to answer your question, though, I have not endorsed anyone, John. Uh, and I don't uh, at this point, I don't I don't plan on that. Uh, I, I try to. I try to stay out, stay out of primaries uh, as much as possible. Uh, but uh, you know, unless I have a just a real strong uh, purpose, and I've really got to know that person uh, uh, really closely uh, to know what their morals are, what their ethics are, and what their platform is. But uh, this is going to be, uh, it's going to be interesting. And I, you know, it's going to be, you know, this is going to be sneaking up on us. We're just a couple months away uh, from the, from actually, we are two months away. Uh, to to the primary. So uh, one thing I don't uh, I don't like, and my platform has always been from day one when I decided I was going to run for state senate, is that I would never be a negative campaigner. I would talk on my platform. I would talk on what I want to accomplish, uh, and I would never speak negatively of my opponent. That's never been my style, and I've always adhered to that. in, in the two elections I had previously. I've never one time to my opponent or personally gone negative against my opponent. And, uh, you know, I've, I, it was encouraging to me to receive a lot of feedback from people to say, thank you for the, your stance. Cause my, my, you know, my message to everyone is that wouldn't it be nice if you could, if you could win an election with a clean, honest, positive campaign, maybe set a precedence for other campaigns to not throw mud, uh, not to be misleading, uh, and that's just always been my style, John. It's the way I was raised. And I think, uh, you know, it's worked for me. I'm not saying maybe it doesn't work for others, but I think, uh, I think it could work for others. Well, I wonder if you're going to give us an assessment of how you think Governor Pritzker has served. What is, um, what do you think, what do you think the best thing he's done? And what are some areas that you've been uh, frustrated or disappointed? Well, there's been, there's been some things that have been, has caused uh, difficulty in, you know, especially in my district, you know, the $15 an hour minimum wage. I actually sat down with the governor. I think it was about 30 minutes prior to the vote of the $15 minimum wage. And as I talk, and, I, and as I mentioned, our open lines of communication, which I I so I so appreciate uh, with with the governor, and I wanted him. To, obviously, he wanted me to support it, and I wanted to let him know why I couldn't support it. Uh, you know, and as one th- you know one thing is, you know, I spend a lot of time in Chicago. Our daughter actually lives in Chicago, and I know uh, several years ago, you'd be walking through downtown Chicago and you'd, I would actually catch myself looking for, un, uh, you know, uh, unoccupied storefronts. And I would say, come down to Southern Illinois and let me show you the unoccupied storefronts. And the feedback I was getting from the business community in my district was just going to be, you know, they felt like it's going to be devastating for them. Uh, so that's things like that were, uh, you know, have, have been difficult. But also, uh, I so appreciate the fact that the governor's been very supportive of, of Southern Illinois, we go back to the forty million dollars in, in, in the Carroll Port, eleven and the Shawnee Town uh, Port project that we're taking an old coal loading dock. It's going to be another public-private partnership, such as the Carroll Port, and to be able to offload fertilize from old Shawnee Town onto the Ohio River, and then the next phase will be possibly grain uh, down the future. So one thing that's very encouraging of that one hundred fifty million dollars line item for ports throughout the state of Illinois, which I mentioned, are nineteen. The 59th district received $51.4 million of that 100 and $150 million. So we received 
in the one one Senate district, over one third of all the all the the, the rebuild of Illinois funds right here in Southern Illinois. That's because not only we we deserve it, but we worked hard to go get it. And uh, Governor Pritzker was very very supportive of the, of those of, of, of both those. Well, actually, I need to increase by another one point five because we got it. We got one point five for Metropolis too in this in the new budget. But uh, you know he has he has mentioned that uh, uh, several times, and he I talked with his t uh, deputy governors, his chief of staffs, and uh, he said this is one one project that he talks about more than any project in the state of Illinois. So I really appreciate that. And then you know Walker's Bluff, the resort we're going to be building there, the game the gaming license that we had to go after, which uh, he was very supportive of, and that was that was very difficult. It took a lot of time, but we got it got through there. That's going to be thousands of jobs or going to be over a thousand construction jobs and then several hundred uh full and part-time jobs after that so and then some other things uh you know uh hang on to your hat because we're going to be announcing some more more things here real soon we hope we hope to john for 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 southern illinois there's a lot of momentum going in southern illinois that we should be proud of great senator we've had a couple questions emailed in the first <coughs> excuse me comes from jim in barrington illinois and he's asking about the trend to make uh he's wondering if there there should be a law to make school board elections nonpartisan. and then he also raises the, the the broader point about some of the contention and acrimony that's that's escalated in school board meetings and discussions obviously it is completely contrary to the the the, the sort of themes of civility and, and respect that you've been talking about. But could you speak to that about just school board elections and whether you think they should be nonpartisan? Oh, absolutely. I, uh, I always, I've always felt that school board elections should be nonpartisan. And, and, and down here in my district, most, most, of, most of them are. Obviously, some people know what, where they weigh on, uh, you know, when they go to the ballot, they know where certain members uh, are on the political spectrum. But, uh, you know, I, uh, you know, I, I appreciate uh, school boards immensely. My father was a 33-year member of the El Dorado Board of Education, uh, and uh, he stayed on that until in his 80s because he wanted to stay long enough to see the new El Dorado High School built. And so, I that was a you know school boards. I've I've, I've seen what my father went through uh, on school boards, but his passion for school boards, and you know, it's it's you know we don't want to uh, you know deter. Uh, people from running on school boards because we need good people on these school boards. Education is a number one priority uh, and, and always should be both K through 12 and higher ed, but also our school boards, you know, they should be, you know, we should, they should receive all the support that they, 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 they deserve. And it's unfortunate when you see the, some of the negativity that goes into these school board meetings, uh, you know, and, and it's, it's no wonder that sometimes it, uh, it deters certain people from wanting to be on a school board because, as you know, you know there's 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 no there's no salary on a school board, uh, and sometimes the ups the upside of that uh, can be can be challenging. But we have to give them the full support, and I, I work closely with all our our school boards uh, within my district and our administrators and superintendents. Kevin from Center uh, Square asks about the the Safety Act that the uh, that the Democrats passed a, a year or two ago, and 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 how has that affected crime enforcement in Southern Illinois? You know, it it, it has. Uh, it, it may not be quite as bad as as you know in, in the suburbs and in, in the city of Chicago, but uh, it's 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 been very frustrating to see our law enforcement officers uh, retire early. Uh, some of our sheriffs retire early, uh, our, our students not wanting to go into the law enforcement field. Uh, and I think you, what we've seen is, you know, when this uh, 
criminal justice uh, legislation was 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 uh, was passed into law. The fact that some you know a lot of the Democrats saw that uh, some of the issues that they may may have not have seen in the fine print of the legislation, so they see that there, they see that there's some repeals uh, that need to be made. There's more repeals. We have to give our law enforcement officers all the respect that they deserve, uh, you know, and give them the support that they deserve. And I, because I so appreciate and see what they go through. And that's one thing. Uh, every time I see one, uh, I always acknowledge them. Hey, stay safe out there. Thank you for what you're doing. Keep your head up. And, you know, I think, uh, you know, because, you know, growing, growing up, you know, you either wanted to be a fireman or a, or a, a police officer. And unfortunately, we're not seeing that uh, like we did uh, when we were growing up or when I was growing up. So we want to we want to instill uh, the support that they need. And, you know, Southern Illinois is no different. Uh, we see crime, drugs, uh, you know, but these guys are out there working their tails off each and every day. And actually, uh, they work so hard. I saw I saw one of our county sheriff cutting the grass at the courthouse because he was doing his part to try to make a Southern Illinois better or in his, his county better. But uh, it's there's a lot of, still a lot of work to do on some of the repeals from the Safety Act. There's no question about that. And we're going to continue to be an advocate for that. Well, Senator, you obviously are a very, very hardworking man. I wonder how you like to relax. How do you unwind? Uh, good question. You know, uh, John, I, uh, uh, you know, growing up in community service and uh, parents that were very philanthropic, I, I created a foundation I spent a lot of time on. I created it uh, actually 20 years ago when I was with the United Way, a Clothes for Kids program where I, uh, as I had a memory of a ch- growing up in uh, this elementary school in El Dorado, uh, Hillcrest Elementary School, about how little uh, brother and sister were treated because they didn't have proper apparel to wear to school. And that memory had always been embedded in me. And 20 years ago, I decided I wanted to raise a little bit of money and that we did it through the umbrella of the United Way. Um, thankfully, they were great to work with. And all I really wanted to do was be able to go back to elementary school and and uh, walk in there and tell the teachers that we have funds to be able to supply a complete new wardrobe to a, a child that maybe not could could afford uh, new clothes, you know, three or four pair of jeans, three or four shirts, socks, shoes, underwear, everything, and did that. And uh, that first year we went into school, elementary school and helped about six kids. Uh, now fast forward 20 years later, we're helping over 600 kids uh, throughout all of Southern Illinois to have a new uh, opportunity of new wardrobe. It's through the, uh, we created our own 501c3 not-for-profit called the Fowler Bonin Foundation. Uh, and then four years ago, created another initiative called Heaven's Kitchen. Uh, I've always felt if a child's properly clothed and properly fed, they're going to have a better chance in life. So four years ago, we opened up our first Heaven's Kitchen uh, in Harrisburg. And then three years ago, we opened up our second one in Marion. And we create an atmosphere where the people come, they, they come in and we greet them. We, we, you know, we sit them at the table. We, we talk with them. We, we talk about different services might be available. We entertain them with music. Uh, so it's been the, but I guess I'm, I, to answer your question, I, my, my, I, I spent a lot of time trying to, trying to help children and create opportunity. And I'll never forget, I'll close with this on about my foundation, John, is the first year we, uh, the first year we, we 20 years ago, when we, Told the very first child, a teacher called me and said, Dale, I got saying, because I, I went into all the schools and talked to the teachers privately about what we had done. Our, the first school was the elementary school that we have these funds, and they're the teachers that know the children. Uh, obviously, obviously, it's a confidential referral program, but I'll never forget the teacher. Teach, after that conversation, a teacher called me and said, Dale, just like the, little, the story you told me about the little girl, and I'll just use the name Little Sally as an example. She said, uh, uh, same, same story, got this little girl, Little Sally. She, Bless her heart, sweetest girl, sweetest little thing in the world. But 
where it has the wears the same clothes each and every day or family they had lost their jobs and they were really struggling and so we went and bought little sally all of her new clothes that she needed and a couple of days later the teacher calls me and said dale i gotta tell you about little sally first day she came in with her new shoes and clothes on came running up to my desk said teacher teacher look at my new shoes look at my new clothes you know and that just really got us going right here john and that's one reason why the communities throughout all of southern Illinois are supporting what we do they see first hands the difference it's making in these children's lives and uh, that's what really life's all about uh, one thing my mother told me as, as a young person she said uh, uh, to, to me and my two sisters i'll never forget this statement she made she said kids uh, what you do for yourself in life is not as important as what you do for others and uh, that's kind of where I spend my time, John. <laughs> uh, I used to play a lot of golf. Uh, when I, I grew up playing golf a little bit with my father, he'd take me to the golf course. I played high school golf and, ju and junior college golf, but uh, don't do much of that anymore uh, because I, uh, I'm i just so devoted to, uh, that's my passion. Uh, I guess that's my pastime, so to speak, is doing what I can to help others. And uh, uh, as long as the good Lord keeps me in this uh, position, I want, and, 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 and here on earth, I'm going to continue to do that. Great. Well, Senator, it's really been a delight to visit with you and just hear about your great work, both in public service and philanthropy. It's really an inspiring story. And uh, again, thank you for all your work for SIU. I know people here are very grateful. And uh, when circumstances allow and you're passing through Carbondale, please uh, swing by the Institute and say hello to us. We really, uh, really applaud all the great work you're doing. Thank you. It's an honor. It's an honor to represent the university. And I, uh, I'm there with uh, with the chancellor and his administration quite a bit. I, I've been to the Institute on a few different occasions and I'll, I'll get back there real soon. I, I travel around, so now that we're out of session, I'm back in district, I'm traveling all over my district, uh, meeting with as many people as I can. It's a real honor to be able to be in this position, John. I tell you, that's something I take very seriously. Uh, you know, as, as my coach told me when he on my early 20s, uh, when he nicknamed me Senator Fowler, after I after I talked to my family that I told him I was going to take a run at it, uh, he's the next person that I called. Said, "Hey, coach, guess what I'm getting ready to do?" He said, "I told you so." <laughs> so uh, but it's a it's a real honor. Thank you for what you all all do, and uh, I really enjoyed this time with you all today. Thank you for listening to Simon Cast, the official podcast of the Paul Simon Public Policy Institute at Southern Illinois University. Simon Cast is produced in collaboration with WSIU Public Radio. You can find Simon Cast wherever you listen to podcasts, including NPR One, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and more. Please subscribe to new episodes as soon as they're posted and tell your friends about our show. For more information, visit paulsimoninstitute.org. Thank you for listening and thank you for keeping the legacy of Paul Simon alive and well.